You are listening to a rebroadcast of one of my previous episodes. While I'm out on maternity leave, I just had my baby, um, I'll be replaying some of my most popular episodes. And even if you've already listened to all the episodes, you might hear something that you missed before. I know when I go back and listen to podcast episodes, even for the second time, there's always little tidbits in there. So whether this is your first time listening or you know your second or third time listening to these episodes, I really hope you guys enjoy. And I'm really looking forward forward to getting back to all of you guys and um, releasing some new content very, very soon. So I hope you enjoy. You are listening to episode 41, Pregnancy Hormones with Courtney and Katie from the Push Revolution podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Growing Our Family podcast, Pregnancy Edition, where we'll discuss topics ranging from your very first positive test all the way through delivery. I'm your host, Brittany, and I'm a new mom to a beautiful baby boy. Throughout my pregnancy, I did hours of research on everything that came my way. Join me on a weekly chat where I'll share my knowledge and personal experiences with all of you. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Growing Our Family podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, then I hope you enjoy. If you want to be a part of the show, whether that's sharing a story, leaving some feedback, or even asking a question, you can send an email to Brittany at growingourfamily.com, or you can like and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the handle growingourfamily. And for social media, that's growing the letter R family. We also just created a brand new Facebook group for all you moms out there, whether you're trying to conceive expecting, have a newborn, or even older babies and toddlers, you're welcome to join in on the conversation. The group is called Growing Our Family Podcast, a community for moms, and I'll link to it in the show notes today. And recently, I've actually been pretty active on Instagram. I decided to put in a little bit more effort. So if you guys want to go follow me again, uh, that's Growing Our Family, Growing the Letter R Family. I've been covering some of the podcast topics. Uh, There's quotes from the podcast and questions that other people might ask. So head over there. You can interact with me, suggest topics that you want to hear about, and I will gladly find an expert or talk about them myself. And now on to today's topic. We're here to talk all about pregnancy hormones today with Courtney and Katie from the Push Revolution podcast. They just started their podcast a little bit ago, and they have some great information. Courtney is an OBGYN, and Katie is a certified nurse midwife. So they definitely know their stuff. They're going to kind of go through the different pregnancy hormones that you experience and what each one of them does. And then the second part of the episode talks about how these hormones help your body go through the changes both during pregnancy and during the postpartum phase when you're kind of shrinking back back to normal. So um, the information is great. I don't really want to spoil too much of the great info. So without further ado, I'm just going to roll the interview. All right. Welcome to the show, Courtney and Katie. How are you guys doing today? Great. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. And um, I guess let's just start about telling us a little bit about yourselves and your families and how you guys got into birth work. For sure. Um, I guess I'll go first. I'm Dr. Courtney Amron. I'm an osteopathic physician. um, And I'm also a specialist in obstetrics and gynecology. And uh, I was born and raised in Colorado, grew up on a cattle farm and um, saw my dad doing a bunch of cow births when I was young. And I always thought that was super interesting and carried on my interest in science into college and then decided I should be a doctor and went to medical school. And then, you know, the interest in birth just stuck with me and I decided to become an OBGYN and did my residency out in California. And now I'm back on the front range. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's really interesting how you kind of got started on it. What about you, Katie? I'm Katie Danielson. I'm a certified nurse midwife and women's health nurse practitioner. I kind of had a long path to get onto this one. Um, I started it when I was young. I was 20 years old when I had my first baby um, and really thought that there was a lot of room to be had in the, in the way that my, my labor and birth was managed. Um, and so I went into nursing um, and then 
in 2018, graduated with my master's in midwifery and women's health nurse practitioner from Georgetown University. And we moved my family, which I have four children, um, ages ranging from three to 17. Um, so my husband and I moved our family out to Colorado and, and I work in a freestanding birth center. And that is how I met Courtney. Yeah. So we worked together um, on the day to day and we were talking one day about how we are just so disappointed in, you know, the current health systems, postpartum care and how we prepare women so much for pregnancy and for birth, but we really kind of have a lot lacking in postpartum care and postpartum education. So then we got this great idea to start a postpartum revolution, which is what we call the PUSH revolution. And PUSH stands for postpartum understanding, support, and health. And um, that's how we got on the journey we're on now. Yeah. And so what we really love about this is that this connects so many people. Um, we found by having a website where people can land to find us, um, can lead them to different resources. So we have lots of resources about um, what to expect in the postpartum period. We talk about mood disorders. We also have blog posts on there. Um, we started doing podcasts where we talk about different topics and invite people to come on and talk and um, really making it very personal. Um, and they can find us online on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, it's been really fun to watch people tell their stories and to make a connection and to really hear themselves when they hear our stories. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I love seeing all your guys' posts on Instagram and they're all so encouraging and has so much amazing information like packed into the little oh, posts and the blog posts and <laughs> podcasts and everything so oh so i'm glad we got we yeah. are glad that thanks you like for it. checking us out <laughs> yes. yeah um i know and the you know you're going to the doctor you start leading up to what every week at the end of your pregnancy and then you have your baby and it's like okay you see him in two weeks and then you don't see him again for six weeks and you yeah. go from like having all this support and all this knowledge and someone like really holding your hand and walking through you through all the steps and preparing you and then you have the baby and now you're responsible for this human being and they're like oh yeah see you when i see you <laughs> yeah Yes. Quickly learn how to fly on your own. It's, it's kind of terrifying. And we have a lot of people that, you know, prepare for it or think they're preparing for it. And they still, until you're doing it, you really have no idea. Um, and so, yeah, we, this is, this is exactly why, why we're doing this is to get that information out there so that you don't feel like you're alone so that you know, all the steps needed to have a successful postpartum period. Yes, exactly. Oh, definitely. And so I brought you guys on the show today to talk a little bit about pregnancy hormones and not only how they affect you during pregnancy as you're like growing your baby, but and then afterwards when you've already had your baby and in the postpartum phase. And I, you guys have a full blog post on it, which I'll link to in the show notes as well if anyone wants to read through it. But um, if you guys just want to start by talking about what a hormone is and, and really how it affects you. Yeah. So we actually... Um we loved this one because in our line of work every day, we hear how people hate hormones. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm so crabby. My cycles are so messed up because of hormones. So we really thought that this would be a good jumping block to start with and, and to talk about and break down some barriers and what a hormone is. Um, so yeah, we're very happy to share this today. Yeah. And so a hormone is kind of like the text messenger system for the body. It's a chemical that usually is released by the brain or other what we call endocrine organs or organs that make other hormones. And so your brain can signal to other parts of the brain or to other organs using a chemical messenger or a, kind of like a text message to tell that organ to either send another message to a different organ or to start a process. So for example, estrogen and progesterone work in combination with um, LH and FSH, which is luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone, hormone to create the menstrual cycle. Yes. And it, they affect a lot of different things. So they can definitely affect your growth, your appetite, metabolism. Um, your fertility is a big one too, um, when puberty and menopause can start. So it's, they are important. They're not always mm -hmm. bad. <laughs> definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, I guess, do you guys want to just kind of walk through some of the major pregnancy hormones? I know we hear about a lot of them, you know, pre uh, progesterone and estrogen and HCG, but what do they do and, and how do they, I guess, form and how do they help you grow that baby? So I guess the first hormone we'll talk about is probably the most common and most talked about 
about is HCG. And that's kind of the first pregnancy hormone that is what you know, all the pregnancy tests that you get over the counter test for, as well as what we test for as providers. So this hormone is actually produced by the cells that are kind of surrounding the pregnancy. And this tells your ovary where the egg was released to turn that cyst where that egg was released into what we call the corpus luteum. And that is what provides the progesterone to keep the pregnancy going in those first few weeks in the first trimester. Um, so it's kind of a feedback loop that is just between your uterus and your ovary. Um, and HCG doubles every 48 hours in the first 10 weeks and peaks around two months to three months, around 60 to 90 days, but is present during the entire pregnancy. And so any time in your pregnancy when you're pregnant, you can take an over-the-counter pregnancy test. And if it's positive, you will be pregnant. may not tell you exactly when, but that hormone doesn't go away in pregnancy. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I like to point out about HCG when I'm talking to my clients is that it isn't a very specific number all by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we, Courtney just talked about how it doubles in 48 hours. That's why we'll grab one one day and then we'll have you come back 48 hours later to do another. And so we can look at it and see quantifiably, is it rising? Is it declining? And kind of get a bigger picture from there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And so one woman who is exactly like eight weeks pregnant may have completely different levels as another woman who's the same amount of days pregnant. For sure. Mm -hmm. And if there's more than one baby in there too, Mm -hmm. uh, that can definitely tell you um, your numbers will be way off on that too. Yes. Oh, wow. And when do like the -the over-the-counter pregnancy tests start picking up the HCG levels compared to like when can you guys uh, determine when you're pregnant? Yeah, well, depending on so the so we do the exact same test at, at the clinic, which would be doing the urine pregnancy test. Um, but, but sometimes we can draw a blood level, and that will tell us those specific numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, the pregnancy test, the over-the-counter ones, will tell you you can get a positive. Was it five days before your missed period? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're definitely getting more accurate yeah, uh, as time goes by. Um, but again, they're, the, they're pretty much the same as, as ones that we're going to be doing unless we do a blood test. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And I know a really common question is the 30 or $40 pregnancy tests, are they the same as like the Dollar Tree ones? Do they pick up faster? Yeah. They're the exact same. Yeah. I can speak with great confidence in that one. One time when I was pregnant, I tested out multiple different ones just to see. And they all had the exact same <laughs> line, the exact same coloring. Um, yes. Yeah, so I think part of that is just a, a money making. Yeah. Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Interesting. Um, so that's HCG. Um, what other major pregnancy hormones come into play? So one of the main hormones during pregnancy and also just during the reproductive um, lifespan is estrogen. This is a sex hormone that's produced mainly by the ovaries. Um, it is also produced in other areas in your body. Um, it leads to the, to, excuse me, to the development of breasts. It keeps your bones nice and strong, um, helps to further develop the uterus and the vagina. It's very active in the menstrual cycle, so it will rise and fall. Um, During pregnancy, it helps your uterus to grow. So I think about this as the go, go, go hormone. Um, It it helps everything get bigger. Um, It triggers um, other or helps to regulate other hormones. It can darken the skin of the mom. Um, some people get what we call the mask of pregnancy where they may have some skin changes where they get that dark line that goes down from their belly button. Um, and this is all related to that estrogen. Oh, wow. So interesting. And so it just, does it peak during pregnancy or is it just kind of always there? I mean, it's, it's always there kind of throughout your life. Um, it triggers menstrual cycles and declines when you're in, um, menopause and kind of gets stronger when you are going through puberty. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's different, this is, um, this is actually pretty interesting. So estrogen is going to always be present, but there's different ones that will be a little bit more prevalent during pregnancy. Um, And that is um, something that we call estradiol. Uh, And that one 
we'll see bigger levels of that or high le higher levels of that during pregnancy compared to the estrogen that would be present when you're going through menopause and mm -hmm. that would be estrone. So it, it's just such a cool hormone that really doesn't get a lot of good attention. Yeah. It always gets a bad rap. <laughs> yeah. So we're again, so thankful that we're bringing happiness to this. Yeah. And kind of the other hormone that you always hear about with estrogen is progesterone. And this is the hormone if you break it down, kind of progesterone, gest means to, you know, gestate to have a pregnancy. So this is the progestation or the pro-pregnancy hormone. So this hormone will sit there and tell the uterus to be quiet. So it relaxes all the smooth muscle in the body, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a very good thing for the <laughs> uterus <laughs> because that helps to prevent preterm labor or birth before the time uh, that the baby is completely mature. Um, but it also relaxes things like your stomach and the esophagus leading to GERD or acid yeah, reflux, heartburn, heartburn, and then also the colon. So you can get constipation and the tubes that carry the urine from the kidneys down to the bladder can also dilate and become kind of relaxed, which is why every single time you come to the doctor or to your midwife or to your clinic, you're going to get your urine tested. And that's because we're looking for infection because any infection that starts um, in pregnancy can quickly become what we call pyelonephritis or kidney infection. And that's a very serious infection that you need to be admitted usually to the hospital for antibiotics. Oh yeah. I remember I ended up with two UTIs during my last pregnancy and um, it's crazy because a lot of times the symptoms present differently than when you're not pregnant. So Definitely. both times I was like, I, I don't feel like I have a UTI. I've, I've gotten them before and it, it presents completely different. So I understand why they test at every appointment because sometimes yeah. you might not even notice. Yeah, exactly. And you're already peeing every 15 minutes. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so symptoms can definitely be masked for sure. Yeah. And if progesterone, uh, if that tells your uterus to kind of calm down, is that similar to like what relaxin does? Or is that, are they kind of the same thing? Or are they slightly different? So yeah, yes and no, they are similar. Um, relaxin's whole big deal is to make things nice and soft. Um, it so, you know, it's kind of quieting things down too. Um, it helps to, well, during the menstrual cycle, it works by inhibiting contractions and preparing the lining inside the uterus to prepare for a pregnancy. Um, and then it's going to be the highest ever during the first trimester. So this, you know, you can have some round ligament pains. Um, we hear this one a lot. People are like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden, and I'm getting this pain on this one side and it turn, it goes away when I turn on this side. And most often it, it has to do with that relaxin, working on those ligaments. Um, and then we hear a lot about it at the very end of pregnancy because you might have more hip and back pain. Um, you might have the symphysis pubis pain. You might feel, and that's like right in front, like yeah. right where the hair of your vagina starts um, in the front. That's where the pubic symphysis is. And yeah. that has like your two hip bones join there and those have to separate a bit yeah. for the baby to come through. So that's where you'll feel that pain. Yeah. So that makes it, um, we tell people to, you know, be very cautious, be mindful of their, of their body mechanisms and making sure that they're getting up slowly. Um, maybe putting a pillow between their legs in that third Definitely. trimester to help to keep the, the, uh, joints in good proper alignment. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It, the relaxin, it, there's so many benefits to it, but at the same time, I feel like it can really <laughs> affect like it, how much you exercise and like how yeah. many aches you experience during pregnancy. Yeah, so if serious. you don't know what the benefit is, it probably just seems like this evil <laughs> hormone. <laughs> yeah. And, and like kind of the other hormones too, you know, like progesterone, it's not incredibly specific. So all of your joints are going to start loosening not just the hip joints. Right. So people can find that their knees pop out of place yeah. or um, they have elbow pain or wrist pain because of the same mechanism. Mm -hmm. My TMJ got so much better when I was pregnant. Oh, really? Yeah, my jaw was oh, so relaxed. Sent? Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> so yeah, it works. At the, it's a good point. It works on a lot of different joints, not just, not just the hip ones, but we definitely see um, more of like the classic pregnancy waddle um, mm -hmm. thanks to the, the relaxin for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And, and the next one on my list is uh, another really well-known one, I think, is oxytocin. 
Oh yeah, the love. Yeah, we love oxytocin <laughs> for sure. Um, oxytocin is known for a few things, and even in our everyday lives, which people may not really know about, but oxytocin is considered quote the love hormone. So that's the bonding hormone. So you will actually have a lot of oxytocin released during um, trust with someone. So like if you're having a very intimate conversation and you feel bonding with that person, oxytocin will be released. Hugging. Hugging, sexual arousal, sexual intercourse, but also parent-infant bonding. So this is both a labor hormone and a life hormone. Yeah. Um, And that oxytocin tells your brain to cement that interaction as a positive thing. So your bond will grow and grow with someone uh, the more and more oxytocin is released around that person. It's probably why if you are smelling a baby's head, (laughs) you get that great big feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a big rush from that oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And in pregnancy, oxytocin is also released when you start labor. And this kind of initiates that contraction stimulation pattern and allows the cervix to soften and to dilate and for the birth of the baby to come. Uh, And then after labor, this is also important because like it was causing the uterine contractions during labor, it causes a huge uterine contraction, contra- uterine contraction after birth, which stops all the bleeding from happening and kind of clamps off all the blood vessels. So that's incredibly important mm-hmm. to prevent hemorrhage. And breastfeeding helps trigger that oxytocin release too after uh, exactly. birth. Yes, definitely. While prolactin is the hormone that actually leads to milk production, Oxytocin is the hormone that leads to milk letdown. So you need both prolactin and oxytocin to perform breastfeeding adequately. Um, But it's got that added bonus of when you're breastfeeding that oxytocin releases and you're bonding with your baby as well. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then Pitocin, am I right that Pitocin is the artificial form of oxytocin that you can get? Yes. Ah. And this one, it, I also feel like it gets a really bad rep in the birth world. Um, we hear a lot of people that say, oh, I don't want to use Pitocin. I heard such and such about this, and I don't want to have these bad outcomes. Um, but yeah, it is a synthetic form that we use to stimulate labor, and it's a really good tool. Um, and it is a tool that we can use to, to get a vaginal birth versus a cesarean birth. So it's one of those tools that we really appreciate having. Um, but it does, it works in the same, it works in the same mechanism. So it helps to stimulate those contractions. Um, it works on this um, kind of dial up, dial down system. So we can give a little bit and we can watch the uterine contraction patterns. And then if we need to, we can turn it down or turn it off. Um, and sometimes if we get real lucky, the body will kick in um, with natural labor and the, their own um, oxytocin will work so we can shut off the pitocin altogether. So it's just, it's a really cool thing. And again, we really love um, having it available if we need it because again, like Courtney talked about how important those postpartum contractions are. Um, we use it as a tool to decrease postpartum hemorrhage. So we use pitocin for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I was induced at 37 weeks um, for gestational hypertension mm-hmm. and I was on a pitocin trip pretty much the entire time. And they tried turning it off a few times to see if uh, my body would kind of do it itself. And it, I was on it till the very end and then oh, even yeah. afterwards to help. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, my, we would have had a lot of complications without it. So I definitely right. am appreciative that they have the synthetic form of it. Yes, definitely. And you know, exactly as in your case, you know, sometimes there's reasons that we need to have a delivery before the, you know, quote, natural delivery occurs because of health of mom or health of baby. And this allows us to kind of start that natural process kind of at will in a way to Mm -hmm. help cure or prevent things happening in mom and baby. Definitely. And then um, the last one on the list, you mentioned it a minute ago was prolactin. Do you want to touch a little bit more on that? And yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. So prolactin is um, an essential hormone that is needed if you are planning to breastfeed. Um, it's essential for the milk production and for the development of breasts. Um, prolactin is going to increase after birth. Um, so doing all of the good uh, breastfeeding, nursing every couple of hours helps to bring in your milk. And that's usually within three to four days after the baby's born. Um, 
once your milk has come in, thanks to the lovely prolactin, you can definitely feel like you have your boobs up to your chin. Like that is a real (laughs) deal thing. Um, You might feel super duper hungry and you want to eat everything that isn't nailed down. That feeling is going to again pass, but that has to do with that big influx of prolactin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always talk about how breastfeeding is a supply and demand method. So the more that you do it, the more your body's going to recognize and release that prolactin so that you can produce more milk. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that starts, I, I think you said during pregnancy when your colostrum starts to form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it it's kind of there in the background during pregnancy, kind of allowing the breasts to develop further. I mean, in puberty, our breasts develop, but then in pregnancy, they kind of develop further for the milk production. Yeah. And what's really interesting is, so if you think about pregnancy, pregnancy's got this great big rush of estrogen. When estrogen's present, that prolactin is being very quiet. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to produce, you're not going to produce as much milk when you're pregnant versus once that estrogen level is kind of on the low afterwards. So those two together are really working hand in hand um, so that uh, breastfeeding can be uh, or the breast milk, excuse me, can be more um, adequate. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. So uh, were, were there any other hormones you guys wanted to touch on? Those are the major ones that I had in mind. Yeah, I think those are, you know, really the key players. Perfect. And uh, I didn't know if maybe you wanted to touch on now how these hormones help your body change and develop through your pregnancy and then even afterwards during the postpartum period. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about the kind of the main organ in pregnancy, which is the uterus. So the uterus will go from being the size of a lemon to the size of a watermelon in those, you know, nine months. (laughs) Um, and then back to the size of a lemon in the six weeks after postpartum. And that's called involution when the uterus goes back to normal. And this is done with the help of the um, decrease in estrogen and then also the oxytocin that causes those contra- contractions and the cramping in those first few days postpartum. And a lot of women say that that's the worst part of being immediately postpartum is they feel that those cramps are very, very intense. And we know it sucks, but <laughs> it gets better. It gets it's better. usually within the first couple of days for sure. Mm-hmm. And some tips for helping that is to empty your bladder. Uh, because when one organ is kind of spasming, it can irritate the others around it. So that goes for a full bladder or a spasming uterus. So they can kind of irritate each other. So keeping your bladder nice and empty is one good way to help with that. Um, you can also lay down with your abdomen on a pillow or a heating pad underneath you. And then make sure you're using any kind of um, NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like Motrin. That is truly the best for cramping menstrual pain. Um, also in that category is Midol, um, ibuprofen, ibuprofen, Aleve, and then those are all one subset. So that's uh, NSAIDs. And then you can also use acetaminophen or Tylenol with those. So if you need to use both, you definitely can. And then there's a lot of herbal tinctures such as Afterease out there if you would prefer to not use over-the-counter medications. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I remember the best part about postpartum was being able to lay on my stomach again. Yeah, yeah, that's the very first thing I did too. (laughs) Yeah. So the heating pad, it's a great idea because you're comfortable because, you know, you haven't been able to lay like that in nine months and now you have the heating pad and even with a little bit of cramps, I feel like it's still a very comfortable position. Yes, definitely. So with, uh, you know, our next part that we always talk about is something that we call lochia or vaginal bleeding. So Courtney just talked about how as the uterus is um, shrinking, you're going to also have some bleeding. And this is kind of a bummer, right? Because you just have gone nine months without any, and now here's some bleeding. This is not a period. This is um, the the normal shedding that takes place after the birth of the baby, um, where that placenta had been, all of that needs to come off. And um, that shrinking and cramping of the uterus helps that to do that. Um, it changes. So very much like when you do get your period, um, how you expect the bleeding to be kind of a, a red and then go to dark and then lessen up and be more of a discharge. You'll have the exact same thing postpartum. It just lasts a little bit longer. So um, unfortunately, it's about four to six weeks. Um, 
but expect to see the change in the color and the amount. And then your body's going to tell you if you're doing too much. So if you are up, you're lifting, you're being um, very active, you might have a change in your bleeding. You might have an increase and that can be very scary. Um, one of the things that we do like to tell people is that you can have clots and it doesn't always signal an emergency. Mm -hmm. um, this is probably one of the most things that my postpartum clients will talk about. They'll call me and say, I just passed a clot. Do I need to be worried? Yeah. Um, but really, if everything is okay, I'm going to tell you, take a breath. It's fine. Um, if you think about the mechanism that's happening, you're lying down, you're sitting for an extended period, maybe you're breastfeeding. Um, that blood is pooling inside of the vagina and it's forming a nice clot. And when you change the positions, maybe you stand up to get up, um, you might feel it come out. And mm -hmm. that feels really bizarre. <laughs> if you've ever passed the clot, mm -hmm. it's very bizarre. Um, but if it's just a one clot and nothing else is happening, chances are, again, everything's fine. Now, mm -hmm. if it is continuing to bleed or you're passing large clots, you should call your provider right away. That can be a warning sign that something's going on. Um, so we look to our bleeding as kind of a messaging system to us to let us know that everything is okay. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the rule of thumb is if it's larger than an egg, right? Mm -hmm. yep. For the clots. Perfect. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And again, depending on, so I've had somebody call me and say, I just passed a grapefruit size clot and then there's been no bleeding. My cramping is fine. I've got nothing else going on. And then we look at it and we go, okay, well, that is a really large clot, but you are okay. Mm -hmm. So it's again, looking at the other things and talking to your provider and making sure everything is within the normal range. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, so I think next on your guys' list was um, how it affects your breasts. Yes. So your breasts are going to be one of the major changes after delivery as well, which Katie alluded to before. Um, so your breasts do grow throughout your pregnancy, but then once your milk comes in, they become very much enlarged. <laughs> They look very foreign to you. Very foreign. And your areola or the kind of brown spot around your nipple can become very dark and very large as well, which thank you, estrogen. <laughs> um, but the kind of consistency of your breast will change as well because all of the ducts and glands where the milk is produced are going to fill and then empty with when your baby feeds or when you pump. So some women will feel like they have a big rock in their breast or um, you know, they, they may be concerned that they have breast cancer because all of a sudden they have these masses. And as long as they go away with each feeding and then come back and kind of go away, they kind of ebb and flow, then that's just your glands filling with milk. Um, but if, of course, you have a, one that does not go away or you're having any kind of redness around the area, fevers, or a lot of pain, then you may have a clogged duct or even a infected duct called mastitis. So those are really important things to talk to your provider about. Um, but the major players as far as hormones go in milk production are, again, the prolactin, which causes milk to be actually made, and then the oxytocin to have it let down or to come out when the baby's feeding. Um, and this is a supply and demand, supply and demand, um, mechanism. So the more you do it, the more it will come in. So we hear a lot in the first few days that people aren't having their milk come in and the baby can't feed and the baby's starving and the baby's stomach will grow with your milk. So in the first few days, the baby doesn't need a huge amount of food. And then as your milk comes in, the baby's stomach will get bigger and bigger and they'll be able to take in more and more. Yeah. And one of the things that we always tell people too, is that they are getting what they need and they're getting it in the form of that colostrum, mm -hmm. which you had mentioned earlier. Um, so that is the perfect amount that they need for their little tiny bellies at that time. So our bodies are just designed perfectly mm -hmm. for this. And that first milk or that colostrum is a lot more yellow than your um, quote normal milk will be when it comes in. Um, that first colostrum is probably the most important thing that your baby can get as far as breastfeeding. So even if you plan on not breastfeeding long-term, if you can breastfeed for just those first few days, the baby's getting a huge amount of nutrients. So it's yellow because of all the fat in it. And it's getting a huge amount of um, immune, um, immunity from your body because your body is giving all of its immune system cells to the baby through that as well. 
Oh, I, I love that our bodies just can completely cater to our babies. And we're almost like they're just an extension of ourselves even after they're born. Right. So it's just so amazing. Yes, absolutely. All right. So um, we just talked about breasts. And then uh, next on your guys' list, you had how it affects your kidneys. Yeah. So, you know, your kidneys are something that you don't really think about too much when you're pregnant. They're not really kind of the spotlight organs. Um, but like we talked about with progesterone, um, you know, the ureters are going to, which is the tube that carries the urine from the kidney to the bladder, are going to relax. And that relaxation stays up to six weeks um, postpartum as well. So if you feel like you might be getting a UTI, absolutely in the same way that you would be concerned if you're pregnant, you should be concerned postpartum to make sure that you're not getting a uh, kidney infection. Um, but then also a lot of people will tell us that they feel like they're having night sweats, like they're going through menopause and they just wake up <laughs> completely drenched in sweat. And that is a lot of your kidneys as well. Yeah. They're kind of getting rid of that extra fluid that you have um, obtained during pregnancy. So your, your blood volume changes greatly when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then after baby's born, that changes. So your kidneys help to filter that. Um, and one of the things that Courtney talks about is you sweat and people don't mm -hmm. talk about that. Yeah. So that's a common thing. You're sweaty. It's okay. Yeah. It won't last long. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, throw down a towel on the bed or sleep with light clothing. <laughs> a lot of people sleep with a nursing gown. So buy a few of those and have them right there. You can change out and also make sure you're drinking plenty of water because though your body is what we call diuresing or getting rid of water, which you'll pee out and you'll sweat out. Um, you do need to make sure that you're staying hydrated, especially if you're breastfeeding. Yeah. And that kind of leads right into the segue of the next organ, which is your bladder. So sometimes you can have a decreased sensation, um, of knowing when you have to pee. Mm -hmm. And this can be common after a vaginal birth. It can be common after a cesarean birth. It can happen if you've had a natural birth. It can happen if you've had an epidural. Mm -hmm. um, so you can kind of work with that by training your bladder, drinking lots of fluids. So you're helping your kidneys, you're helping your bladder, and then making time to pee. It's mm -hmm. really important. You want to make sure that your bladder isn't becoming over distended um, and making sure you're emptying it so you don't get a bladder infection. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I always use the rule of thumb uh, is I would use the restroom right before I fed my son because he ate almost every two hours yeah. or slightly more. So it's like before I sat down, I would fill up my water, I'd go use the bathroom, and then I'd sit down and feed him. And it was just a good reminder. You know, it became part of my routine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you should be peeing at least, you know, every one to two hours because that tells you that you are hydrated. So if you're going six, 10, you know, whatever amount of hours, you're not hydrated. <laughs> so some people are like, well, it's so annoying to go to the bathroom all the time, but truly like you need to be hydrated. And so that's a good indicator that you are hydrated, that your body is processing and not needing to hold on to that water because it doesn't know when it's next drink will be. <laughs> also, there's something called a nurse bladder. Uh, oh, yeah. So if you work in the healthcare field, for sure, you've probably held your pee for hours and hours. I think that was probably the hardest for me when I was pregnant was working as a nurse was making sure that I emptied my bladder. And then for sure I dealt with that postpartum and it was the retraining my brain that, Oh, actually I need to go. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it can be deceiving because you know, you went your whole pregnancy and you have all this pressure on your bladder and you have to go every 15 minutes. So now it's like, you feel free. You're like, I don't have to go yeah, to the bathroom, but I should. And your belly, you don't have to pee every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> the world has changed. Definitely. Uh, another part of your body that changes a lot after pregnancy, well, during pregnancy and after pregnancy, which is, I think, probably the most spotlighted organ in social media these days is your abdominal mm -hmm. muscles. Yep. So when the uterus is growing, it's growing up first. And then once it runs out of room to grow up, it has to grow out. And the abdominal muscles, there's a few different ones, but the one that is talked about most is the abdominal muscles in the very front of the body, which are called the... Um, rectus abdominis muscles and people can get a separation of these muscles because sometimes you know there's only so much they can stretch and then they start going lateral or towards the sides of the body and this is called diastasis recti and that can be something that even happens after a c-section because when we 
you go in through the C-section or to do the C-section, we don't cut through your muscles. Usually um, we separate them and sometimes we sew them back together and sometimes they come to back together on their own. Um, but you can find a measurable gap and people measure that with your, your finger breaths. So if you lay on your back with a relaxed abdomen and then you can kind of tense your abdomen and see how many fingers you can fit in between each of your muscles there. Um, that can be very concerning and it is a type of hernia and you, but you can actually reduce that on your own by doing certain types of, um, muscle training, which are not sit-ups. Yeah. Please dear God, <laughs> do not do not sit-ups. Do sit-ups. <laughs> that will make it worse. And so the thing that we recommend a lot is going to someone like a physical therapist or a pelvic floor physical therapist. Mm-hmm. They work a lot with those too. Yes, definitely. Um, which can teach you exactly what you need to do to reduce your diastasis recti. Um, If anyone's for all the listeners out there, episode 29 of the pregnancy podcast, uh, we actually interviewed Sarah Haley, who is a pregnancy and postpartum fitness expert. Um, She is like trained celebrities and stuff through pregnancy. So uh, she, she talks about diastasis recti and like some of the exercises and she has free videos for moms to do it. If You know, I know it can be really hard to get out and go to a physical therapist, especially right in the beginning, but she has free videos um, that you can like follow along and and do some stuff to help out with that as well. If anyone wants to go back and check out episode 29. Yeah, that's an awesome. And we tell people don't jump into these immediately post baby anyways. Mm -hmm. Like we'll assess it. um, Your providers will assess it at that six week visit um, and kind of come up with a plan there. Yeah. And if you are feeling like you have this, definitely bring it up to your provider because most providers have someone, a physical therapist or a pelvic floor therapist, or even like a, a sheet for you with exercises on it um, that they can recommend to you. So, you know, you're not in a vacuum, you know, your provider knows these people and can connect you. Oh, definitely. I think sometimes we forget how much our providers can help with things outside of just like, how is my baby growing? You know, you can talk to them about yeah, all the definitely. things that are going on with you as well. They're there to treat your mom, mom and baby. So um, definitely. Right. Yeah. And if we don't know, then we may say, well, let me ask my friend who might know. <laughs> and then, well, you know, we have a lot of connections sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and online is great too. It's, really awesome age that we live in that we can go online and search something and find six different avenues to, you know, go down the rabbit hole with, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which for the better or for the worse. I don't yeah, know, right. but, <laughs> uh, and then we, we do have one more system. Yeah. The endocrine system. <clears throat> so we, we, at the beginning, we talked about all of the hormones. So we're kind of just wrapping it up um, and bringing it all together. So Hormones, again, are um, kind of a checks and balance system, and they're regulated by a feedback. So if you need more, you get more. And so a couple of things that, again, are regulated in the postpartum period would be your ovulation and your menstruation. So depending on if you are breastfeeding, um, you might have your ovulation suppressed if you are uh, planning on bottle feeding, you can expect that your ovulation is going to return within six to eight weeks postpartum. This isn't a guarantee. Um, it's kind of one of those things that we don't ever know when it's going to return, but it's definitely affected by hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, again, is that estrogen. So we talked about how when you're pregnant, the estrogen level is nice and high. And then afterwards, it decreases thanks to the prolactin. And then having this can lead to, or that low levels of estrogen can lead to vaginal dryness. So when you're ready to resume intercourse postpartum, I love to tell people to use lots and lots of lubrication. It's super yes. important. Um, there's a big stigma that follows lubrication and I want to end that right yeah. now. <laughs> every woman, um, everybody <laughs> who owns a vagina should be using lubrication. Yes. Um, and, and it just makes everything feel much better. And there's all different kinds that you can use, whether it's water-based, silicone-based. Um, I have people tell me that they use Crisco oil. I'm not a huge fan yeah. of telling people to, to put that <laughs> up in their vaginas, but um, you we, know, you, I think we can test that we both love Uber Lube. Personally, yep, professional. <laughs> definitely one that we recommend to our clients. And it's cheap. Sure. And then there's little bottles that like are travel bottles. So really you have no excuse. You can put yes, it in your purse. You can put it in your purse. I give it to my girlfriends for their birthday presents. <laughs> That's so nice. And just be very cautious because that is probably one of the slipperiest 
moves out there. Yeah, you need like literally <laughs> one pump. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, awesome. And um, thank you so much for covering all the different hormones and, and how they really affect you during your pregnancy and postpartum phase because our bodies go through so many changes. It's hard to just keep track of what's going on and what's causing it and if it's normal or not. That's yeah. the biggest question I feel like a lot of women have. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I wish that we could get away to, to tell everybody that everything is usually normal mm-hmm. and, you know, not to be embarrassed, not to be ashamed mm-hmm. of their bodies. Um, all things normal, right? Everything's okay. Even it is, if it is a different than what their sister or their best friend has experienced. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really important that people in the postpartum period will compare themselves to other people because it's natural to want to share so like when you get pregnant, when you're postpartum, everybody's gonna tell you like, well, when I did X, Y, Z. And if you feel like you aren't having that experience, it's not wrong and it's not bad. But if you are concerned, like, please bring it up with your provider because no question is stupid. No question is dumb. No question is too little or too big or embarrassing to us. Like literally we have heard and seen everything and heard, you know, dealt with everything. And we talk about this with everybody every single day. We talk about sex like 1,300 times, <laughs> like yeah. literally. So please bring it up. Oh, definitely. And um, I like to end a lot of my episodes with a product recommendation for either pregnant or new moms. And I was wondering if there's anything that you either enjoyed yourselves or something that you recommend to your patients. Yeah. So <clears throat> having had four babies of my own, one of my absolute favorite um, things for my babies was using the Aiden and Anae swaddlers. They're gigantic and huge, and that can seem super daunting um, as you're trying to figure out how to swaddle a baby for the first time. But once you do, it is amazing and life changing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my my absolute number one recommendation. The second one is something that I tell all of my clients to use, um, and this is you've probably seen it all over the news. It's this brand called the Honey Pot. And it is a feminine wash. And normally I wouldn't be promoting feminine washes because Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody is just fine and dandy all by themselves. Um, But this is actually a super amazing product. Um, And they have some for, they have sensitive, they have original, um, they have a expecting and postpartum mom package that has a a wash that is um, pH balanced. It's got natural products in it. And then they also have pads in it, Mm -hmm. which are not irritating. And that's super important when you have this super tender um, vaginal area that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. And their pads actually, their postpartum pads have um, lavender, mint, and aloe in them, in the actual pad. So that causes a decrease in inflammation while you're healing. So yeah. it just, I mean, it's amazing. You could wear it's a regular amazing. pad or you could wear a pad that yeah. a regular pad that has these awesome um, herbal ingredients that are going to help you heal as well. Oh, for sure. And so right now you can find it um, on target. So the ads have been all over TV um, and you can follow them on Instagram as well. Yeah. They've, they'll, I guess they're going to tell us when they restock. Yeah. They are <laughs> sold Instagram. out of almost everything. So people are following them like crazy. Yeah. Well, awesome. I'll link to those in the show notes for anyone who wants to check them out. Um, find them on Target on, on Instagram. And where can we find you ladies if they want to follow the push revolution and learn more about postpartum? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you like what we talked about today and you want to learn more with us, then you can connect with us in a few different ways. First, uh, just like we're on your podcast, we also have a podcast and that's called the Push Revolution Podcast. Uh, That's on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play and iTunes. Um, We also have a website, which is www.postpartumpush.com. That's where you can find all of our free guides and blog posts, as well as um, links to all of our podcasts. And eventually we're going to have some courses available to teach people more about uh, the postpartum period. And then we are on Facebook and Instagram, and those are both the push revolution. So on Instagram, it's the underscore push underscore revolution. But if you just type it in like you would normally, it will pull up. (laughs) Um, And then on Facebook, you can just search the push revolution. Um, And, you know, we love connecting with people. We love hearing stories from our audience and, you know, we want to help people find success. So like, please DM us, send us emails. We love it. We love wanting to 
you know, know what you guys want to learn about. So. Oh, awesome. And I'll link to, of course, all of those in the show notes. So anyone who wants to find Courtney and Katie, you can just head over to the show notes. It'll be um, growingourfamily.com. It'll be the first post on there. And you click on it. It has all the links from today's show notes. It has the postpartum push where you can find them and you just click it, give them a follow, uh, subscribe to their podcast so you don't miss an episode. Yeah. And we want to just say thanks so much for having us yes, on. Thank you. We very much appreciate uh, you allowing us to come on your show and, you know, <laughs> be super nerdy, sh- be super nerdy <laughs> and tell all the things and share what we know. Um, you know, we think that you're doing a great thing and um, we are very much happy to be a part of your team. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming on. It's great. And um, I know me personally, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners love to know the why behind some of these things and know that what they're going through isn't anything to be either ashamed of or afraid of or just unsure of, you know, it just everyone goes through this yeah. and it's not talked about enough, I don't think. So um, I'm really excited yeah. to see what you guys have coming up here in the future and um, listening into your podcast. Awesome. Thank well, you. Thanks. Um, and I will, you guys have an open invitation on the show, so you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you, you so much. We will definitely take you <laughs> up on that. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. That's it for this week on the show. I want to thank all of you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Growing Our Family Pregnancy Podcast. Make sure to check out our website. That's growingourfamily.com and that's growing growingourfamily.com to see today's show notes and product links. Also, don't forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcast so you always get the latest episodes. And if you love the content, if you could just give us a quick five-star rating, I guess any star would be okay, but five stars preferred, um, that just really tells iTunes or whatever platform you're using that you're enjoying the content and they should recommend it to other parents as well. And if you know anybody who's expecting a baby, maybe just mention it to them. Say, hey, I've heard about this podcast. I really enjoy it. I think you might enjoy it as well. If you've had your baby or just want to learn a little bit more about life after delivery, check out the Growing Our Family Parenting Edition. I'll see you next week for another episode.